the host that at this moment is doing one million crunches to get his eight pack while mainlining the purest water from Lake Minnetonka. He's slim. This is the paper keg evening slash morning program episode 269. Welcome back. Paperkeg.com. This is a podcast about comic books where we read the same book this week. Mm-hmm. Yidge, Vertigo title, Milligan, Figredo, Enigma. And then read your letters live. To close out the show. Uh, but let's talk about the hosts. You know, we used to be great friends. You know, time... Time has passed. You know, and the podcast remains. Through it all. We're still here. We have... Uh, we used to have a fourth host, but he's long dead. So we're talking about Enigma. Highly... Loved by comic book creators the world around. So we decided we need to get someone on the inside to talk about this book. Someone that knows the ins and outs of writing a comic book. Never been published, but that doesn't matter. Jonesy loves beer. Welcome. Yeah, just kids, uh, don't forget to follow your dreams. It's true. Not achieving them uh, does not matter one iota when it comes time to pay the tax man. You know what I mean? Don't register to vote. You know, don't uh, don't pay taxes if you could avoid it. Uh, allegedly, please don't audit me, IRS. Uh, but I love you both dearly, and despite the waning of our friendships over the past five years, at this at this moment, I've never felt closer to you both. Slim's face he just made was uh, ghastly. Uh, I mean, he his eyes rolled so hard that the top of my monitor shook a little bit. I was just thinking back. I was thinking back to the Slack message board that we're members of where uh, I was waiting for other people's opinions on Jonesy's fiasco from last week where he said he's never registered to vote, but he can still vote, but he doesn't want to get junk mail. And that's why he doesn't register to vote. Uh, for, so I, just, I, I didn't want jury duty. Was uh, you had an internal chuckle about it? I'm sure. So, yeah, I had a great time. But we we have one more living host. He's the one that puts this whole thing together. VP of marketing, the Silver Fox. He's been called the People's Champ. Podcast bad boy. Yeah, you check the archives. You will understand the definition of podcast oh, bad boy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Dale underscore, welcome back. 
it's uh, great to be here. I guess I could be more, most uh, equated to like a reformed like convict, like underneath my business casual attire, you could see like the uh, the the licking flame of a tattoo that I probably earned in prison. <laughs> yeah, uh, famous for my uh, various sort of fermented fruit juices that I would uh, take the rinds and peels of various fruits and put it in a plastic bag and sort of ferment it in the back of the, the toilet in the can they call it in the can they call you the chemist and uh you know I you know it's but that's just past me it's not yeah. me that's old you I mean you are wearing a beautiful orange department of corrections hoodie as you know recording this episode so you look amazing i mean yeah. has, that, has anyone ever seen dale wear a short sleeve shirt before we don't know what kind of tattoo sleeves he's got going on there what they say i mean i think i saw it could be when he wears a sleep shirt sometimes you get something poking out of the uh you know the armholes well, there's something poking out when he's wearing that sleep shirt i'll tell you what <laughs> sleep shirt a uh a, a, a bear threadbare pair of flannel pants or uh some skin tight sweats Definitely cuffed at the bottom, so your gym socks are tucked into the cuff. Gym socks. Got it going on. I love it. 30-year-old, Dale wears 30-year-old gym socks with the, with the like green color bands at the top. <laughs> but the elastic is long since gone, so they kind of ride up around his ankles. So they kind of just look like a white boot that he <laughs> has, has fastened to his feet, his baby feet. I recently had to go to a, a gala ball where Ooh. I had to uh, rent a tuxedo. Holy moly. And the the tux man who was measuring me up made fun of my small feet. <laughs> and I didn't know this man from Adam. I told him he had no place to do that. I hear it enough from my friends or, you know, distant associates. As, distant and uh, I didn't need it. I don't need that. Uh -huh. I just imagine him like at your at your baby feet measuring and then he's got like the little you know the the measuring tape around his neck he's got the pins on like some kind of pin mm -hmm. thing he's cracking up down there meanwhile your prison time flashback happens where your hands are getting near yeah, his I neck everything's <laughs> red behind you he's and, and, a, and then he's in a crouched. second it snaps back <laughs> he's crouched down on his knees and like looking with his like head down sideways to the floor like it was an episode of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. <laughs> and he's got his, like, he's lining up his camera to my foot so he could take a picture of it. Oh, hashtag man. it with all his uh, hashtags. Enigma is our book club this week. We're back in the book club game after last week's uh, roundtable episode. Peter Milligan. Duncan Figretto is our book club this week. Mm -hmm. Dale, have you watched any more episodes in Longmire yet? Uh, no, Slim, I haven't. I'm sorry. Let's just shut it all down. I'm just going to come out and say it here. I think it's back. Get out of here. Watched, I've watched about three episodes, three or four episodes. I think it's oh, back. man. That's really? I'm going to say. I yeah. got Slim. Slim, I'm here to tell <laughs> you it never Slim. left. Jonesy. Season, Slim. Season four. I got Skyrim installing over here, and you're telling me this now? <laughs> I, I, it was going to be a nice evening. Skyrim and Dale... Maybe a little beer. Cortana, roll me a dwarf. Cortana. 
plus that's 40 dwarf points. <laughs> oh, man. That's on your character. Roll it. Plus it's 15. Not, that's not a even desire. Thing. It's not even a 15 desire is way too much. That's not a, not even real. That's like modding. That's like no. when Jonesy starts uh, talking about computers. When I start talking about RPGs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Listen, it's like I, uh, I can operate a computer, though. I don't know that you could play. Jonesy, I was at your game. son's uh, birthday celebration when you were trying to airplay a video hey, file. Yeah, to I your did not Apple go TV. Well. The you were almost it was almost a mutiny in your home. <laughs> I've never witnessed uh, anything. I like did have it. to call tech support on that one. It was like, Oops. Uh, what was it? In twenty eight days later, when people were infected with rage, people were like slowly becoming infected with rage, right. waiting for you to airplay that. File. I'm trying to figure out airplay. Someone just turns on Netflix and the TV. I'm trying to airplay too. That was amazing. I'll, I'll set the stage. We got to get into the book club, but I'll set the stage. Got, There's yeah. an Apple TV, beautiful home of Jonesy. There's an Apple TV, beautiful TV, and Jonesy is attempting to airplay a file to the TV three rooms away. <laughs> Unable to verify if a file is being sent, he's clicking buttons. <laughs> no, He's got no one on the inside to tell him that the file is playing. He's just praying that something happens and someone signifies to him three rooms away that it's working. I just ask him politely, hey, is it on yet? And everyone ignoring me, talking amongst themselves. <laughs> Jonesy talking at a whisper. <laughs> is it on yet, guys? Anyone? So okay. All right, is it on I yet? communicate through a series of knocks. Jonesy, and then at that point, Jonesy had that that uh, grin where the insanity is kicking in, where he's just <laughs> accepting his fate at that yeah. point, and he has the grin. Yeah, he probably like well, he's leaned over the table, like looking down at his iPad. He's probably like, "All right, I guess I'll just go f myself." Okay, huh, <laughs> <That's all." laughs> the indignancy of it all. <laughs> Oh, what a life. Enigma. Let's get into it. Vertigo. Jonesy, what is the book Enigma? Enigma, and the telling of the story, isn't quite an enigma. You know, it's not a real mystery. Uh, I like to describe it as a modern-day allegory for self-identity. And the enigma is really figuring out yourself. Uh we follow a very vanilla gentleman, I'll say. I, I can safely say he's a vanilla guy. You know, basic job, uh, has a steady girlfriend, has a, a group of friends, but he feels detached, doesn't feel right. Like there's no, um, there's no flair in his being. And around him in the world, um, characters from this favorite, comic book of his when he was a teenager the enigma uh start coming to life and uh so he kind of being the only fan that we're aware of at the time starts to kind of freak out and just there being an enigma character ignites uh a certain passion in him and the book takes us through basically from his pov of walking through the world of Enigma and the characters. And, and uh, you know, he has many awakenings. He has a sexual awakening, a sexual identity awakening. And at the end of the story, you realize the book is really just this kind of artistic metaphor for, I don't know if it's admitting to the world or rather admitting to yourself that you are gay and that you 
finally throw off the shackles of this kind of old identity and kind of embrace this passion that's been underneath the surface, but maybe you yourself didn't know how to express. So it's a, a very, I want to say, I don't know if modern is the right word, but it's this very now, um, that's modern. So I'll just use the word modern, very modern expression of this struggle that a lot of folks go through that I think the public is now more exposed to as as we are, you know, as a culture, much more accepting. So this kind of takes that painful struggle that we see a lot and makes it something beautiful in the form of art. And it's called Enigma. It's almost 25 years old, this book. Is it really 25 years almost. old? Almost. I did 19, not check the date when I read. So this was out when we were reading Jim Lee X-Men number one. When I was mm-hmm. watching Wildcats on Saturday morning cartoons and thinking it was good. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I I could have figured it was published this year. I guess the issues are still very timely. That. Mm. It still strikes a chord in 2016. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever read a Peter Milligan comic. Maybe like, ex- did he do the Ecstatics X-Force books with uh, Mike Allred? I think he did. Yeah, the and the only thing I've ever read was like, I don't know, like Red Lanterns, like super... Really? I didn't even know he did that. Yeah. Some, some, um, What'd you think, Dale? What'd you think of the book? Um, this book is I, I and I remember saying it so often uh, for what I don't specifically remember but this kind of story is uh, what am I trying to say I'm thankful that the comic book medium exists for this story and for this story to be told in the comic book medium because it's the only way I think that it could have been so articulated through visual and uh, and words, a visual style and words at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because it was very... It was very superhero-y. I don't know if I wanted to start by saying that. It was um hmm. it was like on the periphery of a superhero book. I feel like like the superheroism was kind of like existing but the characters you followed kind of were outside of that. Right. It was very real. It was very real life in in like a real real way with you know, a, a, a super being story being, a super being existing and superheroes and villains existing in the world. But it was like a real saga of a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the lead character, Michael Smith, like you follow him and the weird character, the head shows up. And then Enigma, the superhero, shows up, and he's like, wait a minute. 
aren't these characters from a comic book I read three that only had three issues? Mm-hmm. And then he he almost dies where he he the head gets to him and almost sucks his brains out. And then there's another character called the Truth that shows up, and all the while he's kind of like awakened. He's like very different from when he came back from the near death experience. So he's on the hunt to figure out what the heck's going on and contacts the writer of the original Enigma series. So he becomes a character all the while. And the, the writer of Enigma is gay and he, there are a few scenes where like um, Michael Smith is almost like taken aback by the writer thinking he was gay. So the, the story, like when, when they were, when he came face to face with the truth in the church, I was like, oh, wow. It, like, it hit me in the face. Like, okay, the truth, enigma, he's coming to grips with his own sexuality. He doesn't know it yet. So that's when it, like, really smacked me in the face. Like, okay, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. th- th- this whole thing is, like, a metaphor for this guy going through it. And, like, I, I loved I loved it. I loved enigma. Except for one part, which bugged me. So the the, the course of the book is him coming to grips with it silently until it kind of like becomes more aware and he meets up with Enigma finally and they have that amazing scene where like I'm kind of scared I don't want to skip to it because I want to spend time on it because it was really well done but I don't like I'm kind of I feel bad skipping to the part that I didn't like but I feel like it mm-hmm. um, is worthy of talking about so mm-hmm. he eventually meets Enigma this um mysterious character that's been around and he through a, a, a beautiful series of storytelling he reveals that he thinks he is a gay man and then starts to caress enigma and they sleep together and they wake up in bed the next morning so then enigma eventually reveals the entire story of his life to michael smith and like how it was that these characters came to life from a comic book and then Enigma tells him that he made Michael Smith gay. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it was like the curtain was pulled away a little bit and that Michael really didn't have the kind of real life mm-hmm. self-awareness and um, discovery because it was forced upon him. So like at that at that point, I kind of had a problem. I was like, well, I mm-hmm. kind of liked it if this was like a real thing in him. And he came to grips with this thing that he didn't know, almost. You know what I mean? Well, I I absolutely see what you're saying because it does feel like it cheapens the moment. But I think the pop that Milligan was going for was the fact that when he was given the choice to go back to get it taken away for him to go back to a normal life... Um, he does say, no, I, I don't think I've ever felt more comfortable being this way, and this feels right. I don't want to go back. I think that, in my opinion, was him confirming this self-discovery as being a valid thing rather than saying that, well, I'm gay now and it's fine. You know what I mean? It, so he, you, think- I think it was in him the whole time. Enigma just magnifies it like puts it in a lens that but he, he kind of started before but, but the the only thing is and i i'm a jonesy i 
I'm a little more sympathetic now. I was in very much in agreement with Slim about that part because it did feel like the whole book could have been better without him saying, oh, no, I, I like that. I'm okay with the fact that you changed me. But it's still not, it's not like a controlled experiment. Like, who knows what it really could have been like if he hadn't been manipulated like that. Mm-hmm. But I see, Jonesy, what you're saying is by like as kind of cheesy as it as it seemed like enigma made him have gay tendencies like the fact that enigma offered to take it back and he said no was more the point jonesy that's what i think you're yeah yeah and i and i, I get that and i got yeah. that when i read it like i know because he turned around and he's like no i've never been more aware of who i'm supposed to be than right now as mm-hmm. a gay man but for whatever reason it, it felt like it detracted from the journey because right. it wasn't re- it, like in my head it wasn't real because it's just like you know if if uh, if wolverine was a real life character and i'm following him around and wolverine you know for whatever reason i turned i became a gay man at like whatever age mm-hmm. it like it doesn't feel like a real journey you know what right I mean? yeah i i comp- and i i am more on the f- that side of things like i was fully expecting and we will get into the to the enigma character and how fantastical he is but i was fully expecting enigma to say i never manipulated you that's the one thing i never did you just had these feelings inside you the whole time Mm -hmm. like because as it turns out enigma was this now this gets into the uh the kind of like not realistic portion of the story, but Enigma was a child, a special child who was thrown down a well. He basically lived underground and ate lizards and grew up there until uh, he was fished out of the well. And he was so sort of advanced and forward and uh, such a higher power that um, he found himself kind of like kind of like uh, an al- an alien type story where he, the humans are just like simpletons and he's so f- much more advanced than them but in order to like live among them or because that's the only reality there is now he starts to manipulate his re- the reality into his reality like a reality that he can live with and that's when you find out he started manipulating human beings to uh he basically changed them for the worse to fit the mold that he needed them to be. He turned them into super villains where they were just regular people before and I forget what I was the point was gonna be to that, but Oh yeah, he was like making he was making the comic book universe, but in real life. Yeah, yeah, and and uh I think maybe maybe the uh, the point would have been brought up I think the point that he manipulated or he possibly could have manipulated Smith's sexuality is because maybe the reader would have called him out had he not like addressed it since Enigma's whole thing was manipulating everything around him. Yeah, the um, I th- I I thought the writing was amazing. I thought Milligan as the writer and as like the mystery voice that like actually broke the fourth wall a few times. 
I felt mm-hmm. like it was superbly done, especially like when he when Enigma took Michael to the grave of his mother that he never knew what happened to, yeah. where he was like voicing over, you know, he's like, well, Michael's ho- really holding it together right now. And then the next scene is like Michael crying and then like a spittle coming out of his mouth. And he's like, whoop, never mind. Yeah. And it was so hilarious. I thought it was like not out of place at all. Um, I, I thought the, the villains were cool too. Yeah. The villains were like Sandman level horrific. That's, and I thought, uh, I'm sorry, that's what I couldn't put my finger on is what this book Mm-hmm reminded me of and it's a vertigo title and there you go it's very sandman-esque yeah the i i thought the uh it's it's crazy the journey that the book took us on because i thought the book was going to be horrific sandman level of like i thought it was a horror book really because you know just by looking at we i I personally read the special edition that comicsology sells but like the uh the cover could have been interpreted as the you know could have been in a, a horror book could have lived inside of it but the fact that i was so impressed with the characters and the the voiceover describing the characters in such a, a way that the story could be accurately followed from beginning to end i was just complete and and that's where i go back to where like this is a comic book story because of the way the images and the words complement each other to tell such a succinct succinct story that I couldn't help but be wholly impressed. I mean, I I, I loved it, but it, I, I mean, it was just completely blown away by the story that it told. I didn't, I never saw it coming and the the words and the pictures were just like intimately kind of woven in with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the villain, the, the truth was really scary. Um, like anyone that came near him, he could make anyone see their true selves and like several characters couldn't handle it and like went and killed themselves. The head who sucked out the brains of the, the victims for like this weird little, uh, I don't even know what poker, and there was just a way that it's like a reverse turkey baster. <laughs> yeah, it was a brain baster. The um the way Milligan wrote certain scenes, I was really struck by. Like the scene where Michael is reading, uh, he's in the writer's home, um, and he's got some like adult gay magazines that I guess he's never seen before. So he's like paging through them. There's I don't know if I'm gonna bleep this out or not, but the way he wrote this was just so shocking to me, and it like really struck me. He said. Michael hates the way the skin on his balls tighten as he read the magazine. <laughs> it was like the way that it captured his reaction mm-hmm. to having a visceral reaction to seeing like naked men. I was like, wow, that is so powerful of a, of a, of a sentence to read. Yeah, you're right. And, and he, Milligan just nailed, there were so many points. I screenshotted some of them, but there was so like the dialogue or the, the way he just was able to write and describe what was going on. One of my favorites was when uh, Michael Smith, like ultimately left Sandra. And it's funny because Sandra, like was, it was, uh, 
not uh, monogamous. She was cheating on him because he was like this boring guy. And then all of a sudden, he grows a pair and starts to live and starts to stand up for himself. And finally, she like bursts out that she loves him only because she doesn't want him kind of existing in a reality where he might have some confidence and she's not around and uh, he's walking out the door and he says I don't think you love me Sandra I think you just hate the idea of me not loving you and that was yeah that was great that was wicked amazing and he and he like the way that 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 scene was framed as well like the art was perfect for this book I feel like and that scene was beautiful because too he was like leaving and then they the shot was of him turning around on the deck or the porch to say that to her and that was mm-hmm. it was really beautiful. The other line that I specifically remembered was um where he was like trying to sleep or he or he I think he was drunk and he had just came from the club and the line was that sleep creeps up on him like a nephew's birthday. <laughs> I thought that was so <laughs> hilarious and so true. I loved it. And I just, I'm, I just, I was reading another quote, um, another line that was so perfectly written, and it makes so much more sense now. I didn't think it at the time, but the narrator says, "We'll never know it. We'll never know how exactly. We'll never know exactly what things people move in and out of other people's lives, and no one ever knows exactly what other people are thinking. In this way, we are all alone. But I am more alone than most." <laughs> which makes a hundred times more sense when you read the end of the book. Well, yeah, it was a great book. I was really, I was really shocked uh, how, I mean, I think we're just on the outskirts of like the Peter Milligan fans, mm-hmm. but I thought it was beautiful. It was like when I was at the San Diego comic-con, people were talking about Peter Milligan a few times. Other creators were like, they held him next to Neil Gaiman and I was like, what? Peter Milligan, what did he do? And I was like shocked. But I can totally see it after reading Enigma. It, it makes perfect sense. And I mean, and Michael Smith's journey into like finding his himself was so real. It was so relatable, even though, you know, I, I can't say that I've ever had feelings like that. But to be able to do it on such a level where I can, you know, you can... Uh, sympathize and and relate to this character even in this world where uh you know one special man has the powers of god and and bends reality around him like it's such like a real thing even in this fantastical world Mm -hmm. amazing how relatable it all is jones did you like it you have i'm not sure if i heard your your definitive opinion yet I don't know if I can use the word like. I feel like that's too uncomplicated of a a kind of adjective or verb or, you know, I'm a writer, so I should probably know. <laughs> um, I did I did like it. I, I, I liked more for what it means than I liked, I guess, you know, I like the whole package more. Like you guys have, like I agree, all the stuff yourself. These specific points are funny, and but for some reason, I and I don't really, I don't think I've ever done this with a book. I separate my experience is very separated from this book. In that now, of course, knowing that it's for ninety three, mm-hmm. knowing how advanced this book was 
culturally for 93 and knowing what comfort this book could have been for a whole generation growing up gay, I appreciate this book in a different way than just a reader being entertained. I don't know if that makes sense. So I can't say I like the book because it's something a little a little to the left of liking. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, I, f- you're, I think you're right. Like this in the world of maybe like X Men not hitting the nail on the head too much with like people that were outcasts and whatever, but Enigma mm-hmm. probably hit on a separate level of people that were unsure of themselves. Yeah, whether that be you know whatever you were going through at the time, but this probably connected on multiple levels. It just it makes that page where Michael Smith goes, no, I I want to stay gay. This is okay. Is got to be very validating for somebody who is going through a similar experience and you know i'm sure and you know i'll preface with saying i can never put myself in these shoes i can never live in this scenario because it's it's not my identity but i can imagine that somebody who's struggling very strongly with their sexual identity would find some comfort with this character saying no i don't want to go back because this is right you know, and then there's a whole world, especially in the 90s, telling them that they're wrong. You know, that they can be changed. You know, they can be changed. This character can be chooses not to. You know, they can be changed. They've done something wrong to feel the way they feel. And to, to have an outlet like this, something artistic, something tactile they can own that validates who they are is very profound to me. And this, mm-hmm. this is an old straight man with two children you know, I'm like the most vanilla. I'm the Michael Smith pre Enigma. I'm the most vanilla you're the, guy. On you're the, planet. the Tuesday nights, Michael Smith. Yeah, well, listen, I've been getting Tuesday nighted every night for in the <laughs> oh bad my. way for quite some time. Like a reverse Tuesday nights. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Every night but Tuesday. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I would be the flummoxed. That but would be the, my uh, villain name. In the the foreword is done by Grant Morrison, which... Uh-oh, Jonesy, hold on. God, yeah, Jonesy. it gets all... Take, take five. Burn it down. Burn it Jonesy, all down. Forget everything uh, I just said. I guarantee you the first uh, the first three quarters of the forward is very nonsensical, just like our boy Grant, but what he says towards the end is very factual about the book, and it's very on point, and he, he takes umbrage to bring up uh, the whole creative team, the colorist, does so much for Fegredo's art and inking. I mean, it's a, it's a whole package here. I'm just so... I was taken aback by the... I keep talking about it, so tell me to shut the F up and we could save the show 15 minutes. But the words, the Let's colors, the art, everything, it's just a tight storytelling experience. Yeah, the, the, the pace of this book is breakneck. Like, there's no, I don't feel there's a lull. Even the exposition, the flashbacks are done at a pace where, I mean, this is very easy to read. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, I and for so, for, for times where, you know, the head sucked out people's minds and the truth was killing people by showing them the truth and you couldn't really see how that exactly worked. You, you're able to follow the story pretty much 100%. It doesn't get all wacky and interpretive. Like, it's it's a pretty concrete 
story from beginning to end, even though you think it could uh, spin out of control at any minute. It's it's a tight experience, which I, I definitely appreciate. You know, I'm very I'm apprehensive of that wacky stuff. I tell you that when I did read the first page and it's the POV character kind of telling you the story of the well and the well is a person and I was mm-hmm. like, I, I said that out loud, I was like, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Gotta be kooky for no reason. Let's get the kook. And I thought that, like some of that stuff was going to start to get very interpretive, but it turns out there was a man who was thrown down a well and he lived down there. And the way Milligan is able to like help you interpret, like that was his world and you know, God, which was his boy's mother did it. And somehow he survived by eating lizards and you know, you can't really like, I mean, he was a special kid anyway, so I guess uh he could survive as an infant on uh, doing that kind of stuff. But it's all tightly said. I mean, it's worth somehow he's got an eight pack. So you know, I mean, he can mold his body and mind into whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. Man, if I did that, I'd be I look just like Dale. I want that scruff. (laughs) I want the gray hair. I want a sleep shirt. I would just sleep shirt. I would snap, and I would have a sleep shirt on. And your baby feet. I just faved your conversation. <laughs> uh, there you have it, Enigma. My, I give it a high recommendation. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Can you imagine if we were reading X Men around this time and we picked up Enigma? We probably would have hated it. Oh man, we would have not even like like some random Bill Sinkevich comic book that I thought the art would have been trash, and I threw it away. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not 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 for our space back then no way no how we got your letters i'm gonna open them up farrington's gonna read them to you letters letters at paperkeg.com you shoot us letter with my radar on ira uh our first letter uh comes to us from dear friend of the show uh, you might know him uh, by his common name, but I know him as the ex-wrestler Dirk Feelgood. Oh. And he writes to us, uh, PK in the UK. Who here doesn't like meeting up with strangers they met off the internet? Rhetorical question, of course, we all love it. Uh, the weekend of November 5th and 6th gives rise to Thought Bubble, a Comic-Con in Leeds, England. Last year, this event saw the debut of something rather special. It flew under the radar of some comic news sites, but it changed the hearts and minds of many, many people, and by many, I mean two actual persons. Uh, thanks to the organization of at peak underscore flow on the Twitter, the very first unofficial PK in the UK meetup happened on the Saturday night of the Thought Bubble Con. The inaugural occasion may have been small, comprising just myself and peak flow but don't really but don't really big trees grow out of much tinier stuff i still recall the palpable excitement i had prior to the evening the feeling you only get when you're not sure if the person you're about to meet will be a catfish style serial killer or not uh suffice to say peak uh, peak flow was a true gentleman and a fascinating soul and the night was a success so much so that we are staging PK in the UK too, once again, at Thought Bubble, once again, on the Saturday night. So this is an open invitation to all paper keggers 
whom are attending the weekend, be the man, woman, avid listener, or casual, all are welcome. Uh, no firm details yet, other than it will be in a pub, so hit either myself or at peak underscore flow, P-E-A-K underscore F-L-O-W on the Twitter for more information nearer the time. Maybe after a few drinks and some shared stories, we might even draw some conclusions as to what was up with Jonesy in the insects app. <laughs> <laughs> At Dirk Feelgood on the Twitter. Dirk, amazing that you and Peak Flow are having your own meetups over there. You know, I'm going to gently suggest to my wife that maybe she free up some cash for me to fly to the UK to attend sometime in the future. Maybe PK in the UK four. I but think I, he he also said that if we were to ever travel to see him, weren't we weren't uh, Los Mediocridad going to get some oh some kind of gosh. training or uh, would have been our debut? Kind of I believe show? I believe he could have gotten us into the the gamut. You know, I think if anything, he could have uh, he could you know p- uh, grease the right uh, palms to get us some ring time at the very least. Mm-hmm. Oh, can you God. imagine? Oh my God! Us in the Bring it up, circle. You brought it up. I cannot. I can't believe you brought it up again. <laughs> Senor Jones, ready to go with my vanity cane. Mm-hmm. My God, oh, what a life! I can. Oh, and uh, for the as for Jonesy and the insects app, uh, I could tell you what was up with him. Rums, r- it rhymes with Holador you. <laughs> 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 Um, at PK in the UK, uh, <laughs> at Dirk Feelgood, please do not uh, think you could, you should call it the unofficial PK in the UK meetup. I I deem this an official PK in the UK wow. meetup. Wow, you know, it, wow, it's you, there's a big legacy because we have abandoned all stateside meetups. So we true. we passed. That is not d- true. Did we have one in 2015? We we didn't, but do we have one in 2016? Jonesy, you're more than welcome to schedule a 2016. I'm like you two would even let me hold the reins that long. I'm a non-voting member of this board. You know, maybe you need to wow us. Maybe you scheduling a meetup would finally get you uh, voting shares. Uh, this will be this will be the moment. Don't dangle the carrot at me, boss. <laughs> I don't even know how, how capable Jonesy would be of even scheduling a meetup. He doesn't have a Facebook account, so he'd probably be using some kind of like third party where all our emails would be siphoned off and they have all our credit card numbers. <laughs> Definitely and a group passwords be taken. I do a punchbowl.app. <laughs> I go to a Usenet group. I guess you could use Slack. If anyone wants to use join the Slack Usenets, hit up uh, Matt HH on Twitter because he will get you sorted in that paper keg using that message board i'll get you sorted all right next up x-men here and marvel now i think that's a callback you know in an email subject line wow. to jonesy last week can't believe one of us caught that i feel like we all would have missed that. <laughs> thank you for responding X-Men to my here letter. marvel now that's how i would have read it i wouldn't it wouldn't even <laughs> registered for me <laughs> Thank you for responding to my letter, and I am glad that I was not the only person that enjoyed the Onslaught saga. Mm. I have transaction, transaction. I have transitioned <laughs> here. 
I have transitioned to, from here to the Marvel Now, and I have been really enjoying the all-new X-Men series that featured the five original X-Men brought to current time to confront Cyclops for his radical ideas following AVX. Mm. War criminal. Oh my God. That, you take me back, uh, that is amazing. The issue that uh, was before that series was my issue of the year. Schism? Uh, um, I forget. Prelude to Schism? No, it, w- it might have been the end of AVX when Beast, I remember. What did Beast do? I'm going to go. He was. It was like, a, remember like the last page was like, I'm going to go. Or he like appears in the 60s X-Men universe. I remember and they so showed that, the X-Men, like they redid those panels, right? Yeah. They did the exact wording from those issues, but just modernized art. And then Beast was like, I need you to come help me prevent the death of Charles Xavier or something like that. Whew. Great idea, Bendis. Great idea. Oh, God, Bendis. I have read the first three volumes, and I have been impressed by how Mr. Bendis has taken me along for the ride as the naive original X-Men discover all that happens to them. The part I have enjoyed most is the portrayal of young Jean Grey. I've always considered her more of a supporting character, except when the Phoenix shows up because that's basically, I think, all she was ever good for. This book has her as a pivotal character, and she does so many cool things as she discovers the full capacity of her powers. As I am reading, the song Lady in Red starts filtering in, and I may now be a Jean Grey fan. Keep up the great work. That's uh, from new friend of the show, Kent. And uh, that at Kent Taylor, I'm not sure he has a Twitter. He might not have a Twitter. Hmm. He doesn't include it here. But uh, thank you. I deem you official longtime new friend of the show <laughs> because of that. And I'm doing a lot of deeming tonight. So there's a lot of deeming. I don't know if you have some kind of sword that you're like gracing people's shoulders with or a mm-hmm. baton. I don't know. Roll me my, a level 20 dwarf sword. It's my plus three baton of deeming. <laughs> plus 15 excitement. Level pouch. Oh, Go over that chest, oh. open up the vial of the plus 15. Add, a, add plus it. two to Slim's next condescending roll on his d20. <laughs> Got to get him a new dice bag just to uh, commemorate the occasion. What a show. Great show. Great show. We're Amazing back. Show. Back in the wing column. Mm-hmm. Next week, as deemed by one VP of deeming Bring. himself before this show. Shade, the changing man, will be our book club. Flex. <laughs> we'll see everybody next week.
licks. Might have to watch a, one of the classic Tom movies again. Yeah. Mm. Wash, wash out your mouth. taste out of my mouth about Jack Reacher 2. Uh, oh, God. I don't... Uh, uh. I can't believe you texted me, texted us live in a movie theater because of the tragedy that has fallen. <laughs> I mean... Did you walk I, out or did you stay for the whole I thing? I was seconds away from walking out 20 minutes into the movie. Wow. 20 minutes in. 20 minutes in, I think I texted you. Said I was having a midlife crisis. You did. I I don't know how it happened. I don't, I would love to be able to communicate with Tom and just have a off the record conversation about what happened with Jack Reacher too. You understand? Maybe they the just picked the wrong one book. Was so good, it was so good. I mean, this this did have you guys read that book? Never uh, go back. Yeah, we we did. Was no, we bad? read. Uh, no, we didn't. We read um, the first and only one, The Killing Floor. The Killing Floor. That's it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's another book that would have been more exciting, but there wasn't any like cool Jack Reacher moments. I mean, there was one later in the movie where he's like, he draws like eight dudes into a warehouse and then he, they encircle him. And I was kind of like, oh, it's, it's not as cool as the first movie. Mm-hmm. And he, he like, beats takes the guys out. up outside the bar. Yeah. I mean, the villain was just some kind of like ex-military guy. It was like, and he was a psychopath. Psychopath ex military guy. Like, that's every movie ever. Yeah. What now? Did Jack like use his like ample detective skills? Because that's what we love, you know. No, not really. Because he all like part of the plot is (laughs) there's a young woman, there's a woman who's suing like whatever he worked, department he worked for the government, military police, saying that he never, saying that he had, he fathered a daughter and he, and she owes, she's owed back alimony so he steals the photo and tracks this girl down so you're led to believe that this is his daughter so now there's like a daughter that he's protecting and also this woman who he was liaisoning uh between the first movie and the second movie this this uh, military general who's now on the run god i was just so i i oh man I mean, i'm sorry I, plus tom like looked like he gained 15 pounds and he's not as like fit as oblivion or live die repeat I don't know, he was pretty shredded in the first he was and i like i know he's like what is he mid 50s early 50s he looks 22 i can never but tell he, but even so it's been like three years since that movie came out like can your body just shut it off at that <laughs> point mm. or maybe he did that for the role i don't know his face was a little chunky i was like i can't deal i can't deal i was like 54 years old. 54. I mean, he's... uh, I don't know. I mean, God love him. The wheels came off for me at 31, so... Yeah. I mean, I watched Oblivion the next day at home. Just to get yourself back. To get get back in the game. Yeah, get back in the Tom game. That's all I could do. And they uh, they teamed up for The Last Samurai. Oh. Him and the director, and that's one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. Top three Tom movie of all time, Last Samurai. Beautiful movie. Edward Zwick, maybe he, he had some kind of brain injury since the time Last Samurai was made. I mean, this is a recipe for success. Ed Zwick, Tom Cruise, back again. It's trash. Maybe Ed Zwick tried to get in the mood by listening to a Jack Reacher novel on tape. <laughs> Man, really you, um, you guys remember the part of Last Samurai where Tom... Every scene ever is amazing. Tom has the... Uh, the Shinai fight in the rain. 
and he proves his courage, and they let him train as a samurai the next day. Oh, mm-hmm. God, what a sequence. Also, when the ninjas come into the house, and he grabs a sword and, and helps the samurai, mm-hmm. and they, they, they he and, uh, what's his face? Katsumoto. Katsumoto lock eyes. Yeah, and, and they, they know they, At that moment, brothers. that's it. I know that here, I've known my first <sighs> peaceful night in many years. Unbelievable. God, Jesus, let's watch it right now. Yeah. Man. Man, oh man. man when Amora knows that he's turned, when he refuses the whiskey at the climax of the film. Mm. Remember that? Mm. And then Tom uses his kendo skills to slay that group with two, not one, but two katanas in the alleyway. Yeah, that scene, uh, the mm. audio of that scene is very good because it's quiet. It's in like the the center of the town mm-hmm. and you hear him like yell when he does the final blow and it's it's like silence but you hear the echo of his yell it it's reverberates like, is it the does. word you're looking for in our souls oh my god what happened mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know yeah <sighs> i don't know hey i'm gonna listen to that soundtrack tonight now thanks Lynn. that's all i'm gonna do it's sit hans, in the dark that's a hans zimmer i'm gonna friend. take a uh maybe a snifter of a hollow more hue and just listen to it in the dark <laughs> and become one. Hmm. Then uh, I, I bet you uh, doing that, you're like uh, swishing around the mm-hmm. swirling. Yola, you are you in the uh, <laughs> cup listening and then uh, you just like start describing the rest of the movie. That you didn't describe just now. <laughs> to myself. In the, like in the to dark. yourself. You remember where they uh, were shooting arrows and bows for their samurai? I don't know. Is that how I sound? I sound like such a <laughs> douche. Drunk. <laughs> Drunk. <laughs> the moment. I sound like what a horse would sound like if he was a man. <laughs> horse loves beer. <laughs> Should we wrap it up? I know Dale's got to get some Skyrim. Yeah, in. let's get it. It's we've we've extended his night far too long. I'm hitting stop. I feel like I'm going to start at any second, jumping around as if a, a, an enraged chimpanzee <laughs> is ca- like I'm carrying on in the background as I attack a woman and her friend has to dial nine one one to get sick police help. Because I am this close to playing Skyrim Special Edition. <laughs>